everything's about accomplishment, achievement, what I have, what you don't have. That is all white supremacy. Welcome to Black Girl Voices, a podcast created to cultivate change through conversation, community, and education while centering, uplifting, and amplifying the voices of Black women, girls, and femmes. Here we will talk about everything from trending topics to Black history to our own personal experiences as Black women. It's like a coffee chat with your best girlfriends. You will laugh, cry, keep it real, and most importantly, get uncomfortable. We are your hosts, Siobhan Montgomery Haynes and Caroline J. Sumlin. Come on in, girl. We have a lot to talk about. Welcome back to Black Girl Voices. My name is Caroline J. Sumlin. And I'm Siobhan Montgomery Haynes. And we have a special episode for you guys today. Um, we've got a Q&A episode coming at you guys. We did... Uh, we put a question box up on Instagram on both our personal pages and Black Girl Voices, and we we told you guys to ask us all the things. So we are going to dive right in with a couple of these questions. We're going to answer them to the best of our ability. If your question does not get answered, so sorry. Um, but are, are you ready to dive in, Caroline? I'm ready. I'm here. Are you ready? Okay. Yep. All right. First question. Um, I'm not going to be revealing the names just because I don't know if some people wanted to do these anonymously. So we'll just ask the questions. Um, Okay. I know I'll never truly be a complete safe person for black and brown folks because I'm a white woman, but my heart aches to make spaces feel safe. Simple things like grocery shopping, walking down the block. Would it be bad to make myself seem like a safe white woman? when I can't ever truly be, or are there micro affirmations that I can do to make black and brown folks feel safer that I slash know that I will stand up for them? Hmm. Well, I, um, I appreciate the heart posture here. Um, when someone had like, it's, it's, I would say definitely rare for someone to care that much. And so that's super appreciated appreciated um so I think that I that's that's a hard one because we never want to assume what any other black person is thinking just like we obviously can't assume unfortunately what white people are thinking even though we already because of the generations of of racial trauma do have like a a, I would say it's a it's a caution it's a guard I'm not out here thinking that every single person around me is going to harm me who is white, but I still have a guard up that does not get let down unless I'm in the company of somebody who has proven to me that, 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 that they're a safe person, that that guard can be let down or even, you know, begins to help me to let that guard down. Is that the job of every single stranger not necessarily i i wouldn't say job um but okay so in the context of this i would say if you are somebody who is you know you're talking about the grocery store and i i i I love that because you know at a grocery store i'm a black woman and while i'm shopping and i'm i'm alone and i'm I'm aware of my surroundings right um super aware super aware (laughs) of that 
it's not that I need someone to come up and start talking to me and make, 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 a, you know, begin becoming my friend necessarily. Right. But it's more along the lines of, you know, I, I would say that if, if somebody is holding the door for me, if somebody is, you know, sees that I'm with my children and says, you know, you go first, just common courtesy shows kindness, that they, kindness kind. all those right. things, kinds of things shows me at least like, okay, they didn't fear me because I was black. They didn't right. dis- dismiss me. They still saw me as a human being. Um, however, when people do dismiss me, and because I'm the kind of person that will also go out of my way to be kind, and I've I've experienced people that just dismiss me because my kindness is coming, the, the kindness that they're receiving is coming from a black woman, and they obviously dismiss that. They don't like that. I've received that on many occasions. That obviously is going to make me feel threatened. So I would say on the on the flip side too, you know, making sure that you're just treating the black person, treating black people, treating everyone as a human being with compassion and kindness. And even though we say that like kindness is not enough for anti-racism, it's the start. It's not enough. Right, right. But it's the start. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but no, I, I get what you mean. Like it's not enough to say like I'm an ally because you were kind. Right. But it's just treating us like normal people with compassion. Right. Exactly. Um, I think what I would add to that is we have to be careful about wanting to be safe spaces. Um, I, I know a lot of white women have very good intentions about this word safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, I think it's important to remember that only marginalized groups get to determine yes. who they feel is a safe space. Right. And then also sometimes you do more harm than good by going out of your way to just be, you know what I mean? To, to, to try to do, um, these extravagant things when, when, like you said, kindness sometimes is just enough. Um, when sometimes kindness is just enough, um, I, I, we don't want to feel singled out or you like know what a I mean? charity don't, case. Right. Don't go out of your way to be, just treat us normal people when we need safe spaces or, or when things are occurring, right? Like when we're in positions where people are making us feel uncomfortable, that's when we need you to speak out. When you're witnessing, um, in, in, since occurring like you know if you listen to our Karen episode the Victoria's Secret she had no one standing up for her that's when we need people kind of like stand in the gap for us does that make sense yeah absolutely and I would say like in in that regard making yourself aware you know if you see Mm -hmm. a black person and you see them in or in um, encountering a white person or a white person is speaking to them or you're in line behind them at the checkout counter and you, you know, they're being, um, they're being, what's the word? Um, run out. Run, well, um, oh, yes, yes. Uh, checked out. out. Checked, checked out. out. They, yeah, checked, checked out, out, I guess, <laughs> by a white person. Like, just kind of have your, like, listen, like, you know, hear, hear what's going on. Like, I would say anything like that can be what your job is. And we don't have to know that that's what you're doing, but you're listening, you're aware. So if you do hear something that makes you feel like this is not okay, I need to step in, then right. you're there to do that. And that's, that's the allyship right there. So I would right. say that's besides just treating us like normal human beings, 
as you would anybody else with refrain from that white savior right it doesn't need to, to be a to white tell savior. Us. right exactly right. you don't have to Just go do it. hi black person by the way you're a safe space with me like that that right. we don't want that no 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 because then we're running we're like no they're not safe <laughs> <laughs> exactly i hope i hope that answers i hope that answers the question no, I, I feel like I feel like we touch bases. So mm-hmm. ho- hopefully, hopefully they feel like we answered it. Um, okay, so the next one. My son is um, black and Mexican, and we live in a white neighborhood. He loves playing with a girl and her dad. He loves playing with this little girl, but her dad has made racist remarks. I'm afraid of any harm to my son. Do I address the dad, or just focus on my son playing with the girl? Keep him away. Hmm girl address him address him i i this one eats me up because this is this is like the previous episodes where we've said where's our safe space like something as innocent as children uh first of all i guess it would it would have been nice to know like what kind of race like i'm i know that was i want to know i want to know and is it to you is it to your child like if you if 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 a parent is saying racist remarks to your child or your child is an earshot or whatever absolutely not the same it would it doesn't matter what the remarks are if another parent is saying something about my child what you're not going to do is say something about my child but if especially if it's racist absolutely not Right, because then at this, like, what are what is that parent saying to that child during bath time? You played with Johnny today, and you know, da 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 racist remark, right? Like, so now you're like, if if the parent is saying those things, they're saying them to their children. This reminds me of a, and I'm I'm gonna quickly quickly get through it, but an instance that happened to my son in pre K when we were in South Carolina. He had this friend named, well, we won't go into the name, but he had a little boy who was his friend, and he loved playing with him. And then one day he told me that the little boy told him that chocolate boys and vanilla boys don't play together. And I think about how I handle that. Um, I told my son to go to school and give blank a hug every day and tell him he loved him. And Mm. in the moment I was thinking from the viewpoint of, you know, a Christian, like, you know, love on people, even when they don't love on you. Mm. And I, I do still believe in that. However, it's more important to protect our children. And so I think about the responsibility that I put on my child as a black person to educate and to um, love on, and and obviously the, it wasn't this little boy's fault, you know, it, it was his dad, but I put that responsibility on him and it should never be on Black people um, to be in these spaces that aren't safe for us. Um, and right. I think that's one thing that I, I, I look back and I regret as a parent Um you know, and that's something, you know, navigating through parenthood and navigating through being a black parent, you know, we, we, we think about those, those instances often, but be the safe space, put your child first, your child deserves a safe space first. If this person is making racist remarks, it's about your child's safety. And I'm sorry, but they'll just have to be other people for him to play with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was gonna be what I was gonna add. Was like, yes, like address the parent. You can so you can make you can address the parent and make the decision that they're not gonna play together anymore. 
Right, right. But like, I, I, I would still address the parent first. Um, I personally would probably just call it. I, I that's that sounds terrible because it's like you mm-hmm. want your child to, you know, the the relationship could be seemingly innocent, but yeah, it, if and the I'm child sure it is. is not is not safe. Then it's not innocent, right? It's it, it it takes the innocence away, and it sucks that we have to do that, but. That, and I know we want our safe. children to be the difference. Like, I think, because uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's the, the perspective I was coming at it from. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, my child could be the difference. Because when Blank grows up, he'll think about, you know, that little black boy that, you know, instead of thinking about the racist things his dad is putting into his head, he'll think about that little black boy that was so loving and so kind and that he mm-hmm. enjoyed playing with but then I was like wait a second that's you feeling like okay well now my child has to prove himself look black people are safe like we're that's the thing I'm done with like no you don't have to prove that you belong here you're gonna go somewhere that already accepts you as you are and we if if somebody wants to be hateful that's on them we can't and the world is already going to put enough responsibility on your son so I say be his safe space be his peace and absolutely not yeah so yeah that ooh, that was a bad one okay um let's see what we got next um okay what's the best way to get through to racist people so they receive it and don't get offended i don't care if their feelings get hurt but sometimes it distracts from the points that you want to make that's a good one hmm yeah i don't think there's a way to <laughs> not not offend um, not offend people <laughs> I would definitely, you know, I think this is going to sound interesting, but uh, my own husband and I have disagreements. He's a black man. We have disagreements about racism because before even I, as a black person, and I talk about this a lot um, on my personal Instagram about how black indigenous people of color, BIPOC people are not are not um, immune to perpetuating white supremacy. We're not immune to that, right? Absolutely. Um, we are not able to be racist in the terms of true racism, but we're able to be discriminatory, prejudiced, all those things, right? Um, so in speaking with my husband about these things, as I have grown in my career and my research and my learning and my reading, etc., I have unlearned things that I once believed similarly to my husband and learned the truth. And in communicating those truths, there has definitely been conflict, you know, conflict in where he's maybe been a little defensive or felt like, you know, he's, he saw it in a way kind of like where you just talked about with, you know, you taught your son to kind of hug the white boy. Right. Kind of, he kind of approached it like that. Well, like I can't, just you know, love them into love, their anti-racism. Right. 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 Or, or not even really understanding what anti-racism is, but feeling like as a black man, like it's his role to make sure he's overly kind and overly this and overly that so that he can. I hate that for him. Yeah. It's, 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 it's difficult to show, to, 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 to talk to him about how like that's not his job and, and, and everything else. So anyway, I mean, he really disagreed with, with the word, with say, he still does he disagrees with saying that all white people are racist. He disagrees with that, but we'll talk about that in another episode. So anyway, in those, in these disagreements, I've learned to be like, okay, this is not going anywhere. (laughs) The best I can do is to send him things to research, 
to, to read, right, send him suggestions, own. send him articles, things like that, because that is a one-way conversation. You're reading, you're consuming, you can't argue back with that writer, right. you know, you can disagree, obviously, but there's not going to be a conversation there. Um, and I think sometimes that's the best way for people to learn is by, and that's why we create the content we create. That's why we're here. Podcast right. episodes, all of this education is the first step in anyone's advocacy journey. You can't just wake up tomorrow and be an advocate without understanding why you're advocating, what you're, you know, what's the truth, what's not, and doing that actual learning. Um, and a lot of people receive that stuff better from people that have that scholarly background or have done the research or have written the book. Right. Because yeah. that's, you know, they're, they're, they're an expert versus the family member who you know, someone's not going to have that same regard for in a topic like this. So I would recommend for this person to gather some resources. And if it's, if it's happening, if that conversation is just going south and there's just absolutely no way for that conversation to kind of get to a place where it feels, you know, okay or good or not, you know, not argumentative, then I would honestly just say, Hey, I, I understand that it's really hard to receive this. I have done some reading. This is what I have read. This is what has helped me. And I would recommend that you read it too. You can continue to disagree. You could read this stuff and disagree. I totally understand. It's I can provide you with the resources and you can draw your own conclusions from there. I love that. I love that. And I, and I do think too, it's like important to understand that everybody isn't going to be open to going from racist to anti-racist. For sure. And that's not to say that we should look at people as like loss cases, you know, or, or hopeless cases. But I think it's also important to direct our energy into people that actually, or at least curious or open to receiving some of the, you know, the resources and the, and the experiences and, you know, all, all of those things. Oh, 100%. We don't need every single person to change for change to happen right. by the way we do not want that and, and that won't happen that is impossible absolutely right. impossible they will they will change and they get on the other side but as far as here on earth it's just not possible <laughs> but we can still make a wave and still make systematic change with absolutely not everyone agreeing with what we have to say okay so the next oh i love this next one um uh- how to prepare to have an anti-racist household slash children. No babies yet. Mm. So they're planning. Hey. I Sorry, think- that was inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> we were thinking about the art of what it takes. Oh, to have a baby. Okay, come on now. <laughs> um, you know, I love this because the child isn't here yet. You have, and you're already thinking about this. You have a wonderful opportunity to get a head start on creating a house that represents the the world, that represents what the world should look like in terms of, you know, black leadership in in. in and your toys and your and the movies and the and the I I'm a big big advocate for representation I think it absolutely starts there when it when it comes to children um and then just seeing people that don't look like them Mm -hmm. um I would also say it's important to surround 
your children with people who don't look like them, but obviously, you know, babies were probably not there yet. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Caroline? I, I would agree with everything you just said. I would say make sure those books that but you, you can um, get some get some open shelves and display right. some really nice books. Um, get some dolls, dolls. that are um, of different of various hues and ethnicities. Some music. Um, some music. That's oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Play some goodies. Um, Play some Motown. Mm-hmm. All the babies in the womb. Mm-hmm. Play Motown magic when they're like three. Three right. up, three, <laughs> three or four and up. Um, but we that's have a, little that's babies a, who love that now. <laughs> I know, right? I I love that show. So cool. Um, yeah. I mean, it's and it's not just that, but I think it can start there. Yeah. Um, yeah. with your kids and your it, when, when they're babies. Um, and then obviously as they get older and they have more interactions. I mean, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a forever learning process. It's going to be a forever unlearning process for you and a learning process for them. Um. It's going to be, you know, make sure that you are breaking down stereotypes mm. as they, as the media and the world portrays them. Oh, and make sure your partner's on board. I didn't even. Oh, yes, that. for sure. Absolutely. Your partner, your partner needs partner to, has be to be on board. Just as into this as you are. Yes, definitely. Um, I would definitely do your own reading to understand white supremacy, whiteness, divesting from it, etc. Because this, we're, we can be doing this work, but the society is not there yet. The society is still very much white dominant, white supremacy, white favoring, etc. There is thing there. Are, excuse me. There are things that do improve here and there, but overall, the culture of our society is still very much a white supremacist society. So it's going to be breaking those cultural barriers, and it's everything from breaking standards of beauty, breaking, you know. Um, even something as simple as, so I, uh, my, my daughter, um, I was dropping her off today and she just got a new pair of shoes and she was like, I want to show all my friends my new shoes. And at first I'm thinking seemingly innocent. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So cute. Right. Oh, she's so excited. So excited. And then I was like, no, wait a minute. I said, honey, you don't know if everyone was able to get new shoes. Mm. You can't do that. Right. If somebody compliments you on your shoes and says, Hey, I like your shoes. You could say, Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so lucky. My Grammy got these for me. And then you can say, I like, I like your hair. I like your shirt or whatever. You don't have to say Grammy got them for me, but I know she's right, excited right. that Grammy got them for her, whatever. <laughs> you know, you can say something like that. And then you can say, Oh, you know, I really like your shirt or whatever. You know, make sure you compliment back, make sure you, you offer the first compliments, but like, we're not going to just walk into school and be like, look, I got this. I got this. I got this. Look what, look at all right. the things that I have. And I know that her friends do that because she comes home and says, well, I want, you know, so-and-so has this, I want this. Like she, for a while right. when she first started school, there's like this stroller there. She wanted this stroller for her dolls. And I was like, well, you have a shopping cart <laughs> and the <that laughs> shopping cart can be your stroller. Like that's what it's going to be. But I had to, I had to really work with her and say, just because somebody has this doesn't mean you have to have it too. And that sounds like a simple, like just basic kid conversation. But, but what that not. is, it's anti-racism because right. it's like, Hey, you're lucky to have is a privilege to have these new shoes not everyone has them that's not what we're going to focus on we can focus on sharing experiences we can focus on you know um honoring each other we can focus on being kind and going out of our way we can focus on all those things what we're not going to focus on is look at me look at what i have look at all the things that i've done and i've accomplished and that's a huge white supremacy problem everything's about accomplishment achievement what i have what you don't have 
that is all white supremacy. So I think it's it's literally dismantling those ways of thinking, those patterns of thinking in right. ourselves and then making sure they don't ever have a chance to take root in their children. That's what's going to be the game changer right there. Right. And I think that a good example of how it really is lifelong because your child is that is four, right? Four years four, old. Four and a half, guys. Four, four and a half, <laughs> that half is big. That half is know. a huge situation, okay? <laughs> My child is 11, and you just reminded me of a conversation he just had last week where he was talking about a friend's a friend who had school lunch, and he was like, Mom, it looks so disgusting, like the, the lunch that he had mm-hmm. or whatever. And, I mean, we all know school lunch isn't the most ap- appetizing, but I had to remind him that everyone cannot afford to bring a lunch to school Mm -hmm. and so while you're sitting there and you're you're you know gawking at his lunch and you're you know hopefully not saying these things in front of him or or really even when even when you come home you need to remind yourself and be grateful for the things that you have and grateful for the fact that you're able to even bring your lunch to school Mm -hmm. because that might be the only meal that you that that person got and what you can help your son do is you can say, hey, let's pack a little extra something for your friend. And then you can. Yeah, he started that. doing that, giving him his, giving him his um his little cliff bar. And I just mm-hmm. love that so much. That's that's where it starts. And right it's just there. little. Yeah. Little acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. Little acts of kindness, guys. Like ki- like like we said in the previous question, kindness goes a long way. And I also think I, I feel like we have to reiterate it every time for the person who takes it and runs with it. Kindness is not the only thing, but it does go right. a long it's way. Not, it, and it's not, it's, it's, it's kindness, but it's a certain kind. It's a, it is an anti-racist intentional kindness, kindness. It's intentional, but it's also, yes. it's one thing to say, be kind. It's another thing to teach those lessons of not everybody has this, right. You know, or right. pe- some people deal with this, et cetera, et cetera, to make our children aware that the world is not only their frame of thinking and their viewpoint. Mm, that's, a, that, that's a good one. Okay, let's, oh, I like this one. What can a female surgeon do to help? A whole lot, sis, a whole lot. We need you out here. We need your advocacy, okay? Because I don't know if you've seen some of these medical statistics with Black women. We need you. We need you to be the voice. We need you to listen for microaggressions. We need you to listen to listen out for medical racism and step in and 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 speak up. We need you to listen to your black patients. I mean, did I miss anything? <laughs> no, I mean that that's yeah. We you need have a you. very, very, very large role in anti-racism because the racism in the medical system is literally killing us. So um yeah, ev- everything you just said. I think it's right. I mean, of course, like you should be reading books about medical racism. You have yeah. to, you have yeah. to know where this stuff comes from. At figure and, and and as you're as you're reading them, ask yourself what did you learn when you were in medical school that you now realize was racist? Mm. Because a lot yeah. of doctors are you know to to this day they're coming forward and saying, "Yep, I was taught this about black women. I was taught this about black patients. I was taught da 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 da." Where where do these things come from? That is going to be a large part of your work. Consider it professional development. Consider it enhancing your career. Consider it, you know, all, all those and things. And pass it on to your peers. And pass it on, for sure. Absolutely. Pass it on to your peers. I was watching a TikTok, actually, um, a few weeks ago. And it was an actual doctor saying that, yes, they were taught that Black women have a higher pain tolerance than white women. Mm-hmm. 
blew my mind because of course we, we know that we've heard that, you know, with reasons why our um, problems are, 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 complaints are ignored mm-hmm. in the medical system it's because they think we're faking it or, and our pain tolerance is higher but just to hear it from an actual doctor's mouth it was like wow right and the fact like, that it's, we like, know they it's believe still that. being it's like it's one thing that you, you think it, that's one of those things that i thought was like taught in the 1960s 70s maybe 80s no. but I'm like oh no <laughs> today in 2021 right. we're still being taught that in medical school exactly like, oh. like i could literally have a baby tomorrow and they could be like yeah it doesn't hurt that bad you know what i mean like i mean this i i went so i i have suspected endometriosis and um i was oh, I wanting to kind of you know get get the the ball rolling again to kind of figure out my life Right. And so my pain was really bad. And I went, I happened to have um, an appointment the day my pain was like really bad. Like the Lord like made it happen for me. Um, and even got the ultrasound like that same day. But like when I was, when I was, when she was like pressing on my, you know, my female areas, right. <laughs> it, I was like, Ooh, eh, eh. and she was like, Oh, does that hurt? And I was like, yeah, it does. <laughs> and she was like, Oh, maybe you just have a little sensitivity. I'm sorry. What? Girl, do you even some know? People are, some, people are just, some people are just some people are just sensitive. I'm like, okay, but I know that's not it. I'd be I like, what I, kind of people? <laughs> right. What kind of people are sensitive? And, you can, and she was very dismissive. I mean, and what was she? An old, an older. I don't know how old, but you know, probably I would estimate to be maybe in her 50s or 60s. Right. White woman who looked at this young black woman and thought, "Nah, you're fine." Mm. So here we there there it is, folks. <laughs> Yeah, you you have a bit you you could do a lot there. Yes, I hope please. that I hope that some of those suggestions helped, but just know we we need you, sis. For sure. Um, okay, as a white woman, how do I post on Instagram while working to be an ally? Any personal post, okay. Okay. This one for me is very touchy because I feel like we're in a age where we have too many teachers and not enough students. Um, black people should always be at the head of your anti-racism education. Um, they should always be in the center of your, your share, what you're sharing with other people. They should be the voices that are speaking for your anti-racism. As far as personal posts, I don't know how I feel about white women and personal but I feel like we talked a little bit about this when we we said that white people should either have the education or should have the education because they don't have the experience when it comes to being an anti-racist um teacher yes I yeah that gets very touchy I mean if you are like let's say for example it was a situation like when George Floyd was murdered because oh, yeah. the silence for me, I was just ready to kick windows. <laughs> right. <laughs> me too. I was ready to burn the town. I kept saying that I I I was ready to burn the city aflame. Like it was it was deafening. Mm-hmm. I think in those situations, if you have a presence online, you better Please. make a post. Right. It doesn't, you don't have to say anything profound, but you need to say. I stand with the black community. This is mm-hmm. not okay. I'm taking donations for George Floyd. Right. Something like that. Right. And then, and then send your dollars and then show your receipts. 
that is that is a post that you can make that's going to actually create change that's not going to center yourself but saying you know donations or uh every single purchase today from my shop all the proceeds are going to go to them wonderful make that post do that show your receipts show us that the coins actually went to where they're supposed to go in general though um do we, is there a space for white anti-racist educators? I believe there is. We have a friend. Her name is Kate. She's wonderful. Dr. Kate, I love her. Her okay. work is in anti-racism. Her education is in anti-racism and social justice, etc. And her entire job, number one, the content she makes herself, she's calling in and calling out white people. That's what she does. We will we'll link her in the show notes so you can see examples of how she does this. Everything right. else that she does, she centers by POC creators and she um, gives them a platform gives, too. She gives them a platform. She sends, um, she definitely, she pays reparations with the money that she earns. Yes, um, she's yes. a firm believer in like, I need to make a living, obviously. And I definitely think that, you know, that you don't just give all your money away because if you have none left for you, that's not okay. But, right. right. Um, you know, she makes a living, but she also pays reparations. And, um, and I just, yeah, I would recommend going to her page and seeing a good example of how a white anti-racist educator can do it and do it successfully without centering themselves. And she also calls herself in when she, when she screws up. Um, right. That's a great example. If you're like somebody who is a, like a general content creator, a lifestyle blogger or something like that, I don't think that you need to be creating like actual posts that say anything. Um right. I think uh, the white, the uh, kindred learning is another good one. They talk about white influencers. They call, they talk about um, the like uh, whiteness in the influencing world and things like that. So I think if you actually have something very specific that has to do with calling out white folks, then great. Right. But if you're a general content creator and you just want to make content every now and then, I don't really see the point. Um, I think in that, in that case, what you do is you are constantly sharing your stories is a great place for that. And you're sharing work from BIPOC educators and creators. Continuously, not every once in a while. Right. Continuously doing that because your stories are really where you, your community grows. Mm -hmm. Your, your grid is where you, is where your audience grows. Right. Right. So you're, I mean, and if you see something that, that was created by a, by a BIPOC person and it really resonates with you ask them if ask them first of all if you can repost it credit them properly and by credit properly I mean their name should be in the first line Mm -hmm. of the caption this always gets me because people repost you know black creators work all the time and then at the very very end right they'll put our name or they'll Mm -hmm. tag us no at the in the first line after they've given you permission to repost their work you need to credit them. And if you want to put that on your feed, fine. As long as in that credit, you're also saying you please go follow this person. Cause only yes, yes. All, all reposting is going to do is, is center yourself you. and, and, and bring attention back to you. On the one hand, I can understand like if you have a platform, if you have an audience and you know, like this is going to get people's attention and this is something that we need to talk about. Right. Right. Then there's a, there's a place for that. Not all the time though, but there's definitely a place where that can be a thing. But I would say in the daily stuff, like, yes, use your stories to do so. And then if you want to add a personal thought into something, annotate, you know, the share that happens a lot. I see that with my content, people share it and they add, you know, thoughts of their own. 
Right. That has to do with, you know, who they are as a white person and their audience. And it's a way that I can't speak to, I don't, I can't speak from a white person's perspective. So that's yeah. why I always say there is a, there is a place for that perspective, but just make sure you're doing it tastefully and make sure you're always centering BIPOC creators and educators in that work. Absolutely. I think that was good. Um, that was, that was very well said. Time for one or two more. Okay. Let's see. I've got a couple. Okay. Let's go with this one. How to address a friend who shows microaggressions without getting angry slash nasty to them. Mm-hmm. So my guess is that this person is showing microaggressions to a black person um, without getting angry or nasty to them. I mean, what, why exactly are we tiptoeing around their feelings? Would be my question. They don't seem to be caring about the, the black person's or the BIPOC person's feelings who they're showing microaggressions to. Is this an ongoing thing too? That that's another question I have. Yeah, I can understand. I I'm, and you, you and I differ in this. I try not yes. to be too harsh. Um, I know that I, I think I come across more harsh than a lot of people do. A lot of people tell me, oh, you're so gracious and kind. I'm like, for real? Because I feel like I can work on that. Um, and that's, you know, me as a believer. Like, I want to make sure that I am, you know, you can be gracious. I'm not but trying to work know. on it at all. <laughs> you can be gracious, but you can be direct right, as well. Right. And I don't think you have to be mean and nasty, but you can also be firm. So I would yeah. focus on being firm because it is a serious conversation it is something that you're not taking lightly you don't have to tiptoe I don't think in order to be gracious in order to be firm in order to it doesn't have to be kind it just needs to be gracious and gracious is like you know you're not going to be like hey listen here insert you know insult insert calling someone out of their name how dare you blah 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 blah, and then go off and snap your fingers or you can say hey what you're saying is not okay you're saying this and this, it's a microaggression, it is racist, and I would like you to stop, please. Right. And make sure you say it in front of, that. that's another thing too, like it's mm-hmm. nice for us to feel supported. So don't wait till later to address it. When they're saying it, stop them in the moment in front of the person that they've hurt and say, hey, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so that they maybe have that, can use that opportunity to apologize to that person. Now, if they get nasty, then of course, you're going to have to stand in the gap for that person that they're hurting, you know, to, to protect them. That's where we talk about, you know, that allyship, that safe space. So if, you know, if they get nasty and they're unwilling to apologize and then they, they continue, that, that's a whole different situation. You know what I mean? That's a whole mm-hmm. escalated situation. Yeah. And if it's not, it could not be happening in front of somebody. People can say microaggressions about, you know, I I think that's where a lot of white folks show their racism when they get around other white folks. Other white folks, you know, black people. Right. They're like, did you see so-and-so? She was so aggressive today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about, talk about words like that. Was she aggressive? Oh, was she, was she she aggressive aggressive? or assertive? Right. Right. Because if it it was a white boss chick, she'd be like, ooh, look at her. She's a boss Boss assertive. Boss (laughs) Boss babe. Black woman. (laughs) Oh, she's assertive. She needs to be nicer. She needs to check her right. toe. No, 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 no. Like, no. She has such a bad attitude. Does she have a bad attitude or is she tired of repeating herself? Right. She have a bad attitude or does she have to advocate for herself because nobody else will? Mm-hmm. 
So I, okay. I, I think that the microaggressions could definitely be happening privately um, or, or not in front of a black person or not in front of a BIPOC person. Um, but at, when they're happening, I would I, don't wait. Don't be like, hey, I want to talk to you about the microaggressions you said last Wednesday. <laughs> Say them. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> she's, like, she's probably like, what? What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Then they're going to gaslight you and they're going to be like, I didn't say that. No. Yeah. Yes, you did. Say it, say, about it now. So say it right now. Say it, as it's happening, when it happens, call it out right then and there. Right. Okay. So th- this last one, this last one is my favorite. Okay. Cause, cause you know why, you know how I, I feel about I, this. I don't know. Cause I don't know what it is. And I hope, <laughs> your, I hope your excitement is warranted because if it's basic, I'm going to be like, really? That's what I'm no. <laughs> It's because you know how I feel about black people like Candace Owens. Oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> 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 I'm not even gonna say it. Okay, how do I talk to my racist family who use people like Larry Elder to support not being racist? I say Larry Elder because he's another Candace Owens. You know, they're all the same. This yeah. one's hard for me because, first of all, we need to say that all black people are not a mono monolith. Monolith. We're not a monolith. We are not all the same. We're not all on the same page. As Caroline stated earlier, a lot of Black people still subscribe to whiteness and white supremacy. Black men especially um, benefit from white supremacy on a patriarchal level mm-hmm. in a way that white women don't. Mm-hmm. Um, black women? I'm, yes, in a way that okay. Black women don't. <laughs> in a way that Black women don't. So there is still a group of black people who desire and who long for the approval of white folks. I think you start there. You start by explaining that. Um, and I'm trying to think of some nicer words. So Caroline, help me out here because you just know how I, I y'all, I really, I'm really not a fan of, of the Larry elders and the Candace Owens of the world. And I have different words to say. So Caroline, help me out. What, what, how do, how do they, what do they say (laughs) to their racist family members who are using these people to credit their racism? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I I, I really, I, I, I get stuck as well when it, when it comes to, uh, what, when people try to like, you know, talk to me like, oh, you need to read Candace Owens. Um, there's nothing I want to read that she says. Um, so here, here's the thing. I think. Okay. So. I think it's always important to understand that there's going to be different viewpoints Mm -hmm. and to study those different viewpoints and draw your own conclusions. That's, I I will bring it back to that. I will say I, I, you know, in that, in that case, like, yes, there are, you know, black people who view things differently. However, Mm -hmm. the majority of black people are saying this. There's a reason why there's, there's these, you know, black people that are in a minority and they're, 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 they have every right to think the way that they think and to believe what they believe. It doesn't make, and there can be some truth to what they're saying. And not, I will right, never right. say that there's everything Candace Owens says is untrue. Not necessarily. It's bullshit though. 
Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, guys. I'm editing that out. <laughs> Just letting you know. <laughs> um, you know, there could be, there could be. I, I honestly need to study more. I, I will. I, it, because I look at things from a scholarly perspective, I will right. always, always advocate for studying different viewpoints to understand where they come from. It's the reason why I study conservative Christianity to understand where it comes from. And the more I study it, the more I am affirmed that it's crap. You know, I, I uh, but I will, I will, the more I affirm how, how, how harmful and toxic and, and, yes. uh, and, and not, and not honestly true it is and all, all of those things. So in, in saying that, I say, you know, make sure sh- I, I would, Always bring it back to resources, credible resources. Like, it's wonderful that you're listening to her. Here's another book. You know, read this book by Ibram X. Kendi that also explains, you know, the history of racism mm-hmm. in our country. Um, right. Here are some articles to help maybe help you understand, you know, why people say this. Um, if you are dealing with a Christian family, I highly recommend videos and content by, 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 by Phil Vischer. Phil Vischer is the creator of VeggieTales and his work um, that he's been doing um, for a while now is all about helping conservative evangelicals understand racism and mm-hmm. and and their perpetuation in it. And I he does it that. very tastefully. In um, he never uses the word systemic racism because he knows that certain folks it's a trigger for them. Yeah, there's their triggers. For me as a black person, and this is my husband thinks the same thing. He's like, maybe we can't call everyone racist because it triggers them and it turns them off. And I'm like, there's truth to what you're saying. But I come from the viepoint of I don't want to sugarcoat something. So I am going to call it what it is and educate on it. But there, there are white people. And this is where a white person's perspective can come from. This is an example of a white man who educates on this to his white following. Because that, that white conservative following is not going to listen to me. Absolutely not. You know, that's why right. we need different types of people in, in this work. And, and in different yeah. spaces. So right. Phil Vischer videos, look them up on YouTube. He does an excellent job at helping to, to, to break and to dispel the certain myths that many slash most conservative evangelicals think about the black community. Like, for example, they all believe that we are welfare hoarders or something like that. He dispels right. that myth, where it came from in history, how media actually portrayed black women as welfare hoarders, we, even, the, even though the welfare... Um, the welfare, uh, like crime or whatever it was that, that originally brought that myth on was actually a white woman. Like he dispels those things mm. and explains it in a very, um, a very, uh, careful way. way and a careful way, but that's very honest right. and you can't help. But I feel like at the end of that, you can't help but be like, oh, okay. And you're hearing it from, as it, again, if, if this is a Christian family, I would say. If this is not right. a Christian family, this is not going to really do you any good. It still could, because he doesn't necessarily talk about the gospel all the time. Right. It's still a great way to understand it, but that's just an example that just came to me. He's got a podcast, he's got YouTube videos, very digestible you know, 10-minute videos um, that I think could be really helpful. I love that. I don't know if any other resources out there that are like that, but I feel like there's got to be, and it could okay. be just a matter of finding resources like that of people that are committed to doing that kind of work in a way that's going to be palatable to that audience. Right. And I also think 
a question that maybe you can ask them to sit with is do they are they willing to take in this information because this is a black person or is it because this black person is saying things that is pleasing to them right and just ask them to sit with that Flash um, it's probably bills <laughs> right right it's, it, it's def- definitely the latter um okay well we're gonna wrap up there we do have a few more questions, but we'll definitely do another one of these episodes. I think, you know, it's, it's kind of a good way for us to connect with you guys and kind of see what, what you guys are wondering and, and, and questions that you guys um, are having. And hopefully we were able to answer some of those for you guys. And it, it was, it was fun. Yeah. I was kind of hoping there's like a personal question in there somewhere, just something fun. (laughs) We'll have to do that next time because I think I I think that I specified anti-racist questions. But next time, mm. let's do questions in general. I know that, you know, we talk a lot about anti-racism, but I think it would be fun to just have a personal episode where we just kind of get down and personal too. Yes. Love it. Let's All right, you all. Well, thanks for hanging with us and we'll see you guys in the next episode. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Black Girl Voices podcast. If you loved today's episode, we would love it for you to leave us a five-star review. If you would like to support our work, visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash blackgirlvoices or head to our show notes for the link. Lastly, we would love to hear from you. Come follow us on Instagram at blackgirlvoices and say hello. Remember, you are heard, you are seen, and you are loved. Your voice matters. You matter. See you next time.